Welcome to Tabletop Radio Hour, your podcast for everything tabletop. My name's Zach, and this week I have my regular co-hosts, Mark and Steve. Mark, how are you today? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? I'm doing fairly well. Excellent. Fairly well. Uh, Steve, how are you? Seven out of ten. Seven out of ten. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Yeah, I'm about the same. <laughs> <laughs> oh, definitely. Um, but yeah, like we always do, we want to start off with our segment, Wish of the Week. Wish of the week we talk about anything we're excited for from movies to our, uh, actually real quick I'm gonna I'm gonna backpedal uh, now onto something new we haven't done before uh, we're, let's talk about some stuff we've been playing recently are we gonna uh, ha- I know you you gentlemen have a uh, have a, um, a regular Tuesday night game and I've mm-hmm. got the home game here so uh, uh, Mark and Steve has there been anything eventful on your uh, your Tuesday <laughs> night game recently? Um, uh, yeah, why don't you handle of, this one, Mark? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're kind of in a, a uh, rebuilding phase. Um, we're still playing the Star Wars game, but we've expanded that to also include uh, the world of Indiana Jones. This is the uh, oh, nice master book, uh, West End uh, game, not the bad TSR version, Make that clear. <laughs> but uh, you know, after our Ghostbusters episode, you know, we, we talked and uh. We're really loving the West End Star Wars and the West End Ghostbusters weren't so well. And I just remind myself how much I love West End in general. So I mentioned, mm-hmm. let's do, uh, you know, let, let's keep the Harrison Ford theme. And if we're doing Star Wars, let's do Indiana Jones. And so we're going to kind of alternate. But uh, we've just kind of went through a uh, kind of introdu- introduction to the game, character, mm-hmm. uh, character building. Um, we haven't actually started playing yet, so we're going to start playing on Tuesday. So uh, we'll have to kind of stay tuned and see how that goes. Very nice. I'm looking forward to it, but we what we did do was we all got like sort of a crash course on the Deckmaster rules, and hmm. it's going to be a little bit different than than what like games that I've kind of uh, uh, played before. So I'm, I'm really curious to see how it works out. Um, it's a little bit more kind of card centric and and a bit crunchier. No, it, it's weird. Uh, not not crunchier so much as uh, like meta ish. So I want to see how it actually plays out when we do a session. But it's 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 definitely off the beaten path. Well, it's interesting too because uh, it was a huge influence on um, Steam Spy. Mm, so mm-hmm, yep. that's going to be kind of uh, interesting to kind of go back to the roots and uh, mm-hmm. see you know see how that goes. Yeah, take a take a small step back into history and, yeah. and uh, you know yeah. go to that that more old school feeling game. Exactly. Definitely awesome. Yeah, that that sounds exciting. Uh, I know you've been doing the Star Wars for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and and when you talked about doing Indiana Jones, I was like, that that sounds amazing. Yeah, it sounds great. Yeah, we'll have to do a one shot of that on the show sometime too. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Add it to the list. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. Uh, for me this week, uh, yesterday, my my games are on Saturday nights, so it'll mm. be it'll be something new before we record the podcast on Sundays. <laughs> but um, but last night we uh, here recently we've had a uh, a transitional period to where you know either people have been showing up late because of you know work or you know other other things. And, um, you know, last week there was a, one person had a Halloween party and this week, uh, somebody else was, um, unavailable. Yeah. So we've been doing a lot of one shots and board games and stuff like that. Okay. Um, so like, like, you know, we did, uh, dread last week and, uh, and this week we played the marvelous adventures of Baron Munchausen. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've heard about it's this. It's the it good? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it was, it was so much fun. So it's it's the game we we talked about it briefly uh, for a wish of the week when I had picked it up, but um, 
It's it's about getting around a table, you know, getting drinks, getting drunk, having fun, and telling stories. Um, and it was it was really fun. Hmm. It was a lot of fun. Uh, it's it's so pretty much the the way uh, the game works essentially is one person starts and they start by pitching a story to the person to their right. So it's like, and and you're you're playing these you know high society fancy people, okay, you know, barons, counts, empresses, stuff like that. And uh, and and you turn to your person to the right and go, oh, Baron, I did, we're, tell me about the time that you that you saved the uh, the king of the cats. And then they're supposed to go and and you know tell this story, and it's it's just a lot of fun. Hmm. But yeah, so it worked I, out well. I, Did it go smoothly? Oh yeah, yeah. Because everybody started drinking, and then you know whatever <laughs> <laughs> whatever happened happened. Hmm. I I can admittedly say I had a, a few too many drinks last night. <laughs> um, <laughs> but but yeah, it was a lot of fun. Hopefully next week we're uh, we're gonna jump back into Seventh Sea because hopefully we'll have everybody back together. Um. So yeah. Cool. That's that. Um. Yeah. As we always do, we want to jump into our segment, Wish of the Week. We talk about anything we're excited for, from movies to RPGs to video games. This week, let's start with Mark. Mark, do you have anything exciting on the horizon? Uh, kind of. Uh, not too new, but uh, update at least. Uh, I know I've talked before about the John Carter Mars role-playing game, mm. and they just came out with ah, a yes. big update that uh, their stuff is going to the printers. Uh, hopefully, nice. going to have the first wave of PDFs uh, in the next couple weeks. So that is uh, getting very exciting. Um, and uh, they're doing a whole wave of stuff. So uh, first, first group we're getting with Core Rulebook. Uh, we're getting the Phantoms of Mars campaign guide, uh, narrator kit, uh, dice set, um, miniatures, notebooks, bookmarks, you know, the whole, whole first Dang. range of uh, whole yards. stuff. Yeah. Whole slew of things, yeah. yeah. Um, and then there's you know additional stuff coming down the, uh, you know, eventually of of different uh, specific books on different time periods, um, uh, character cards, landscape cards, tile sets, more dice, uh, more maps. Oh man! Um, so yeah, just a lot of stuff uh, coming, but uh, the first set's coming soon. So that's that's really. And this is just, it's looking fantastic. It's really looking like a good game. So is, is that, uh, who, who, who's behind that? Modifius. Is it? Yeah. It's Modifius. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. definitely. So similar, yeah, similar. They have set. a lot of stuff with their, with their Kickstarters. Yeah, they do. Yeah. They have a lot. Yeah. You know, like the, the, um, things from the flood, like they're, yeah. they're just kicking out stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's, uh, you know, similar stuff to, and, and the stuff they put out is just such high quality. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the Conan and Star Trek and uh, Tales from the, the Loop and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so you know it's going to be, you know, really good quality. The artwork is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'll see if I can send you guys the, the link to the update. So you can enjoy that. Awesome. But, uh, it yeah, looks like they nice. really captured the feel of it too. I mean, that's like the most exciting part of it is like you know it's mm-hmm. it, that that whole kind of retro sci-fi vibe. They've got it nailed. Exactly. Exactly right. But yeah. it, but it seems like Modifius does that with everything. Yeah. Like yeah. if you look at the Star Trek book, mm-hmm. the Star Trek Adventures, the, the most recent, it looks amazing, and all the graphics and artwork and everything like sets the mood. It's yes. amazing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Steve, do you have anything? Uh, well, let's see. Mine, I've got... Okay, so uh, recently they announced that uh, the Netrunner uh, Living Card Game is getting... Mm. Um, they lost the license to it. So that's getting sunsetted from uh, Fantasy Flight. And that's a real bummer mm. for me because I love Netrunner. And I love kind of asymmetric card games in general. So I was rather excited to see that on Kickstarter there's a, a new asymmetric card uh, deck builder called Mutants uh, available by Lucky Duck Games. Um, and uh, here, let me just oh, 
put the link in there for kick it if over. You're interested. But um yeah, it's got a really cool art style to it. It basically you play you're you're making mutants in a gladiatorial kind of arena type thing and you all start off with sort of the same common cards, but you're you're building along different lines so it ends up being uh uh like pretty thoroughly asymmetrical. And um and and yeah, you're you're kind of mix and matching your deck ends up being this like crazy combination of like creatures and abilities and stuff like that, um, that you're kind of going to mash together. So maybe I like it because it reminds me a little bit of Recomec, but mainly I like it just because <laughs> I heart uh, asymmetric card games. I think it's like a really cool concept where everybody's not trying to do the same thing. Um, so like, you know, in this one, there might be like different win conditions, you know, like one player is trying to do something totally different than the other. Um and yeah, it, it seems like a cool concept. It's got a really killer art style to it. It looks like they've nailed the like look and flow. Um, and um, yeah, they've they've had some other really good projects in the past. So uh, it, it looks like it looks really solid. And I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, it looks really cool. It's you know, it's it's almost like factions. Mm-hmm. Like each 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 player has a faction, and and they build their their cards and their their uh, hands more or less definitely yeah and they based on what they get they're way over their base goal and um they've still got like two weeks to go so yeah i think i think it could be really awesome yeah are you are you backing it are you picking it up uh yeah yeah i think i'm going to definitely then that's that's going to be a uh uh mega con uh (laughs) get together there we go yeah uh, nice to play that if it's if it's out by by this megacon of course yeah yeah well they've got a pretty good track record so i wouldn't be surprised um yeah yeah we'll see definitely awesome uh well for me this week uh nintendo has announced that uh on the 16th this month for the switch they are um they're releasing the let's go pikachu and let's go eevee games Mm -hmm. um i don't know if you've seen this in the past i i I saw it uh maybe about a year ago when they announced that they were going to start working on it but um you know but having this this game for the for the switch you know a, a pokemon game for the switch uh is going to be interesting you know just because of the portability of it and that that and they're releasing a uh a pokeball controller mm-hmm. that you can use with it as well so so now yeah i've been looking forward to this for a while with the pokeball controller is this something that ties into go at all i think they said you can use it with go okay Possibly, I'm not sure. Hmm. Um, I would, I would have to do a little bit more research on that. But um, since nothing's officially released yet, it's kind of hard to find that stuff. Well, the other question is, which one are you getting? Since there's a Pikachu version and an Eevee version, I get, you got to go with Eevee. Yeah. Okay. Good deal. Yeah, my, for my personal, but there's there's a lot more options with Eevee with mm-hmm. with the different evolutions. Yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. But but you know, on the other hand, Pikachu is so classic, you know, because you've got Pokemon Yellow, and then you know they they had that little uh, pocket Pikachu game, mm-hmm. that little small, you know, oh, you know, it was shaped like a Game Boy. Absolutely, yeah, that thing was killer. Mm-hmm. The Pokemon Mini. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that's impressive that you know about that. <laughs> that's like really, I'm, really neat. <laughs> I'm a nerd that's into video games, Steve. Well, <laughs> color me impressed. Yeah, I've I've got one of those, but oh, I, yeah. I I rarely ever see somebody else who knows about it. So, congrats. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Huh. Uh, but yeah, yeah. If if we don't have anything, if we don't have anything else, that'll be it for this segment of Wish of the Week. Uh, now on to some main topics here. Okay. Zach, can I interrupt real quick before we get to the main No, topics? no, I'm going to move on. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm going to go, go, go ahead. I got yeah. a real quick rant that I want to throw out here. Ooh, a and rant. I, Ooh, is it rant corner? Because I've got a rant too. Okay, <laughs> let's, do a, let's do a rant. Welcome to our new segment, Rant now, of the Week. Now we're on to our, our newest segment, Rant Corner. <laughs> Can't wait to hear that theme music. Okay, I have been online a lot this week, and I have seen, the good news is, I see, it looks like a lot of people are playing RPGs. That's always a great thing. Big bonus. Knock it out. Go for it. Um, Specifically, it looks like a lot of people are playing Star Wars, which, you know, we talked about Steve and I have been playing Star Wars. Great. Great system. Great, you know, great universe, no matter what system you're playing. I sense a butt. 
But <laughs> two things. First of all, don't everybody play the same character? There's so many great <laughs> characters out there. Diversify people. Place, you know. Second of all, learn to spell. <laughs> R2D2. You say the letters out. How can you possibly misspell that? How is it misspelled, Mark? Oh my God. I think you I get know most of the letters. You got most of the letters. How hard is it to just get a couple more letters right? Okay, okay, Mark. Okay, okay, slow down for a second. I just wanna I just wanna back up here one sec. Are you freaking out because you see so many posts about people posting uh posting for for uh um uh R D R two? Yes, they're playing <laughs> how hard is it to misspell R two D two? That okay. is all. We can move on. Thank you know, you. I've noticed that too. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. Move on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Brilliant. Oh man. <laughs> That's beautiful. Nice. All right, my rant this week. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think I posted I think I put the, posted this in between us, but uh but I, I need to talk about it. I've been telling everybody about this. <laughs> so I recently rewatched Thor Ragnarok. Okay. Okay. And I you you all know I've been slogging through this giant text that is North Norse mythology. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So there's there is a slight inconsistency with Thor Ragnarok. I'm sorry, slight? Gasp. With with a one specific thing. Okay. <laughs> when it comes to the, to the Norse mythology side of things. Now in in Thor Ragnarok they um another reason it pisses me off is because they get it right in the comic book universe. Hmm. But but they they don't get this right in the movie. Hela is, is in in Thor Ragnarok is Thor's sister and Odin's daughter. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yes. Oh. In Norse mythology, and in the comic book universe, she is Loki's daughter. Hmm. Huh. Okay. Another one of Loki's children is Jormungandr, the uh, the giant snake that that spans around Midgard. And uh and Fenris. Fenris wolf. Now we had Fenris. Fenris was We had Fenris. Yeah, actually tied to Hela in in the movie. Yes. But which which is which is also accurate. And I don't think Jormungandr's been in the movies yet. I kind of figured he'd probably get his own, but now that they've blown up Asgard, I don't know what's left. But remember, Asgard Asgard isn't a isn't a place. It's people, Steve. Well, now it's not even people <laughs> at this point. <laughs> they killed all the people <laughs> in the Avengers. So yeah, I know, I know. But um, so yeah, it's like what person didn't care enough to get that accurate? You know, because because being Odin's daughter and Thor's sister, and being Loki's daughter and Thor's niece is a huge difference. Well, yeah, or is they, it just a matter of simplification? Because if they say it's Loki's daughter, or then you have to raise the question of okay, who's the mother? And you get a, a bit, you know, you have to go into a, a pretty pretty large subplot then. I'm fine well, with that. Okay, oh, I sure. know why. I can tell you exactly why they did it here, okay? Because it's the same thing as if, like, it turns out that, like, I don't know, Krillin's kid ended up killing Goku, okay? You've got an issue of power creep, okay? You can't just say, like, Loki, who we've already seen beaten, like, many times by Thor, had a daughter, and then suddenly she can one-shot her way through Asgard? Like, mm. Well, but, you know. but she she's the goddess of hell. That's That's why she's so powerful. Okay. That's the simple, simple explanation of why she, she's so powerful. I'm, I'm saying she doesn't. She's not on the same like power tier as is Odin. Okay. Where did where did she get that power though? Where did she get enough power to command hell? Her mother. Who is? Who is? The name escapes me at the moment. <laughs> See, now you and have to hold, hold a whole other movie about that. Which, Ergo, you know, why they rewrote Norris mythology to make it <laughs> fit into the movie yeah. a little bit better. I'm not okay with that. <laughs> I'm not okay with that, guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm comfortable with you not being okay with that. 
Oh man, dude. Okay, well, okay. So here's a here's a North mythology question about Ragnarok that maybe you can't answer if you're like knee deep in North mythology goop. Um, cool. Like, okay, the little story he told about him being a snake and then stabbing him. I was curious if that's one of the many, many crazy ass Loki stories that they actually did in North mythology because, like, I remember, like, I've seen plenty of them, and you wouldn't want to put those in a movie. Certainly not like a PG thirteen one. So, <laughs> I didn't know if just like pretending to be a snake just so we could stab Thor was something that showed up in the Madcap Misadventures of Loki in like actual North Nor- Norse mythology. Uh, there are much stranger. And more outrageous stories. So I, I have a feeling that that would be accurate. Yeah. Like that, but like on the strange level, that's like a two compared to like some of the stuff I've read. So yeah. Yeah. Like in, in one of the stories, um, Loki turned into a horse. Yeah. I knew we were going here. Seduced a horse (laughs) and is the mother of a horse. Loki (laughs) is the mother of a horse. (laughs) So which drastically changes, uh, I think how that character would be portrayed in the movies. (laughs) (laughs) I I think that, uh, Tom Hiddleston probably put that like a writer for that in his contract. He's like, no horses. Don't do this. (laughs) No, no horse. It's underlined. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Also, you gotta wonder if nor like no one asked Loki if he wanted to be the god of lies, and if he really wanted to be the god of horses all along. So this might have been. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Makes sense. But yeah, that's my rant. Okay, (laughs) and that's it for this segment of Rant Corner. (laughs) Oh man. Alrighty, now on to, now on to this main topic. Okay, <laughs> here we go. Uh, first, first, a little bit of news this week. Um, the Fallout seventy six beta for PC was recently released, and there were some fairly decent sized problems with it. Looks dreadful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so pretty pretty much uh, the the short of what happened here is. Um, you know, once once somebody would start the download for the beta, uh, if they click a button after that, after they're on the launch client, mm-hmm. it would accidentally force players to restart the almost 50 gigabyte download. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And this is just one of the many problems they've had. Like, you expect to see, like, mm-hmm. some kind of issues with the, with the, with the beta. But like a lot of this yeah. stuff is just like straight up busted. Um, I I heard it. I heard another one from one of my players that um, that once it was finished downloading, mm-hmm. it erased itself. Oh my god! <laughs> and this is before you actually get it installed. Truthfully, yep. no. The one that the one that really kind of like grinded my gears was the one where the uh, the actual gameplay mechanics are tied to the frame rate, and they found out a really easy way you can pop into an any file and unlock the frame rate for people with faster computers. Basically, mm-hmm. making it so that like if you've got a high end gaming rig, you will absolutely win every game. Like <laughs> you know, like like it, yeah. it's it's. I don't know. It's because your, your reaction time is much better because you've pretty much unlocked your, your frame rate. You've unlocked your game. Well, It's more than (laughs) that. Like, like because it's tied to frame rate, you can literally walk at double speed from people who don't, who haven't done that. Like you can, you can move faster. You can do more stuff like twice as much, four times as much, depending on what kind of computer they have. Like then, then people who haven't have that. And they're like, Oh, no problem. We'll Mm -hmm. fix this for the final version. But if that problem is present in the beta and this is, we're not talking alpha, like this is all the way to the beta. You can guarantee this is a public beta. Yeah. (laughs) Someone's going to be able to like, like re unlock that with a cheat in, in the actual final game. Like there, this is, this is going to be a total flipping cluster when it comes to actual general release. And I, I want no part of it. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, absolutely. You know, they, they gotta, they gotta step up their game. Mm -hmm. They they gotta batten down those hatches, honestly, just because you cheating is already a big thing with PC gaming. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, companies are, are doing their best to, uh, to stop that and to slow that down as much as they can, you know, things still get through, but you know, there, there are, it's like, they're not even, they don't even want to try. It's like Bethesda doesn't even want to like, they're, they're just like, Oh, it'll be fine. (laughs) 
Well, this is this is more or less their cash grab for the battle royale market. They're trying to like rush it up to to kind of cash in on that like kind of quick PVP dollars. And honestly, like online PVP is not something that I've ever really gone after to begin with. So even from the get go, this game could be flawless, and I wouldn't be buying it. So I'm really not the target audience. But oh my god, if right. I did like online PVP and or I was really into Fallout and wanted to see how the you know story <laughs> progresses, like this this whole thing is just like one bitter disappointment wrapped up in another. So um, best of luck to them. You know I hope they can get it worked out. You know I, I, the final isn't out yet, so they got plenty of time to fix it. But my faith yeah. level on this one is through the floor. Yeah, absolutely. I agree a hundred percent. You know, it's it's just it's. Yeah, that's enough. That's all I need to say. <laughs> Does that count as my rant? Uh, I didn't get a rant, so that could be my rant. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That could okay. be your rant. Yay! I'll back. I'll back up that uh, that theme music for <laughs> quite the, uh... quite all right. Exactly. You know, look at forego um, main categories and just make up new segments for this whole episode. Just like eight <laughs> new segments. <laughs> eight new segments in this one episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, all right. I apologize, Mark. We're going on to another video game. Okay. Um, <laughs> Um, but this week I have been playing a lot of, uh, the new call of Cthulhu video game. Okay. It was, it was released a week ago. Sounds about right. Yeah. It's about when the ad started showing up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Roughly. So please tell me about um, it. I've been keeping myself completely spoiler free on this whole thing. So I want you, so I want I, you yeah, to ruin it I'll, for me. Yeah. Go nuts. <laughs> oh, you want to ruin it? You no, want to no, ruin no. it? You want me to ruin it? <laughs> Don't actually ruin it for I me. Can, Just tell me what it, it, no, it's good. I'm, I'm only on the, like the fifth chapter of 14 or 15. So I'm, I'm really not that far into the game. Okay. Um, but overall I got some, I got some gripes. Okay. Um, first off, it does seem like they didn't put that much effort into graphics. Okay. Like the people are just kind of like grainy and like there's very little detail in NPCs and it's, it's, it's just, it's like they could have smoothed corners a little bit better than they did. Fig- figuratively, figuratively speaking, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, it does seem extremely linear. You know, there are, there are aspects where you can go here and there and, you know, but, um, it's like it, it forces you down a very, very thin tunnel. Well, and the fact that you told me you're at chapter, whatever, six, it pretty much indi- yeah. indicates that, yeah, this is, this is going to be like a linear game. So yeah. And the chapters are very short. Okay. You know, chap chapters are like 10 minutes long. Holy cow. So you really haven't played it for very long. Um, no, haven't played it for long at all. Ten, maybe, maybe 15, 20 minutes. Oh, wow. Holy crap. Um, yeah. So this, it, at least, at least in the beginning, I don't know if they, if they expand out, you know, in, in later chapters, but. Okay. Well now, usually the only thing that gets a pass for like a crazy short game like that is if they're telling a really amazing story. Are they telling a really amazing story? So far it's, it's pretty decent. Okay. Um, it doesn't give you a lot of context on Cthulhu until about chapter four. Okay. Um, which is strange because it's like, this is a Cthulhu game and you start out as a, like a deadbeat reporter or investigator, shall Mm -hmm. I say. Um, and it's like at the beginning you have, you have this, uh, this NPC follower and it's like, why you have this, you have this cop from this town running around with you for a couple chapters. Okay. And it's like, why? why? And then you finally get into the occult stuff in chapter four, end of, end of chapter four, beginning of chapter five. And so it's like, okay, it's, it's good. And that, and it's, it's not, that horror based so far um again i'm not that far into the game so what's the who knows what what's the gameplay like is this like one of those walking simulators or is it a point and click adventure or is it like uh i don't know third it's person like brawler? a walking simul it's like a walking simulator okay. with interactive elements okay like qtes or like mini games like qtes okay 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 so it's so it's like, um, but the QTEs aren't like button based. It's like running based. Okay. 
So it's like for one of these scenes, um, you were running out of like the catacombs under the city and uh, rocks were falling and, and it would block off one path and you had to go to the other one and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's like it, there's, there's items to look at and a lot of stuff. It's, it's, it's highly skill based. So it's like, it almost does what, um, torment tides of Numenera did mm, where you have okay. like your skill points for your different attributes and your different skills. But it's like at the beginning of the game, it, you, you either have to pour everything into one skill to be able to do something or you can't do anything at all. Oh, that's kind of bad. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because it's like you can, you can pick locks and stuff like that, but you have to have a certain level on your investigation skill. And unless you pour all of your skills at the beginning of the game until like the, the point I am now, you can't do it. Hmm. It's like, oh, damn, you, you don't have the ability to do this. So that's another reason it's like you got to go find the key. So it's like it's real linear in that in that case. Um, but yeah, it's 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 interesting. Um, I still don't know what to think about it quite yet. <laughs> um, I'll probably I'll probably finish the game up within the next week or so. Um, so probably next next time we have a, a talk show, I'll probably have have some more opinions on that. Okay. I'm curious to hear if it um, redeems itself by the end because the whole Cthulhu thing is very story based anyway. Like, yeah, yeah. I want to, I want to hear how the story pans out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, some more about, about, about Call of Cthulhu here. Um, talking about the company that produced it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go by cyanide and it seems like they are connected with focus home interactive as well. Okay. Um, but like their past, I'm on their, their Wikipedia page here. Um, and their past is like, like this story horror story game comes out of left field because up until 2013, no, they still did it like all the way through 2017, they were doing the tour de France games. My God. And like pro basketball management. It looks like they made Blood Bowl. Wow. Okay. They did make Blood Bowl. Like here and there, scattered in, they do like a couple store. Like they did a Game of Thrones game. That game did not get good reviews. (laughs) No, it didn't. It wasn't good. Um, but but honestly, like what what would make a a game company like this all of the sudden go into RPGs because they also have on their resume, a werewolf, the apocalypse game Hmm. and they have a space Hulk's tactics game. Oh, I've got that space Hulk tactics. (laughs) I'll let you know how that goes when I fire that up. Um, (laughs) Right. Yeah. Let me know. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, it's like what, this is just so strange to see that they're doing all these cycling and basketball games. And now all of a sudden, they're jumping into Call of Cthulhu and Werewolf the Apocalypse. <laughs> Maybe they realize that Tour de France games have a relatively limited appeal. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm looking at their product catalog and there's not a lot of like, oh yeah, that's an incredible game. Like I haven't actually played the Stick series yet, but that doesn't look great. So I right. don't know. But it's like if you're going to jump into this genre, don't go straight with Chaosium and White Wolf, in my opinion, mm-hmm. <laughs> because those are very heavy story-based games, and, and making a, a video RPG from those, you know, as your nearly first creations... I don't know how to feel about that. Well, it looks like they've been cranking out games since 2012, games of, of limited appeal. And it looks like they also have strong ties with working uh, with Games Workshop. They've got a lot of uh, of the 40K, you know, Blood Bowl and and that that Space, Space Hulk are both Space like, Hulk's you good. know, 40K stuff. So, or not 40K, but you know what I mean, the Games Workshop stuff. So I, I guess they probably just sort of extended that and like, okay, let's, let's give Chaosium a call since no one's doing a Call of Cthulhu game and, you know, see how much that license would cost. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Which is probably an arm and a leg right now. Really? Like, I mean, they're not making Call of Cthulhu video games. Like, so that That's is an untapped market and they're probably just anxious to get something out the door to raise the, uh, you know, elevate the profile of the license. 
Yeah, that that is true. That is true. But yeah, I just found it strange that that uh, somebody doing those types of games in the past until the the last year or so are are jumping into uh, into storytelling RPGs. It does seem like a a, a pretty radical right angle for them. So you know, mm-hmm. well, I'm I'm curious to hear it pans out though. So let me know like once you finish it up, um, how it goes because I'm still hoping for a good Call of Cthulhu game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I am too, and uh, and I ho- I hope this pans out. <laughs> I I really hope this pans out because I've been looking forward to this. You guys know I've been looking forward to this since like E three of the year before last. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's been announced for a while, so it's like they've had a lot of time to do this, but it doesn't seem like they've put that much effort into it. Yeah, at least so far, in my opinion. Anyways, anyways, let's ju- <laughs> let's jump into some into some tabletop stuff. Mark, you had some topics for us. Uh, yeah. Um, something I found on uh, uh, Reddit, and I don't know if we're really the right group to be talking about this, but uh, I found it uh, I found it interesting because it kind of mirrored my perception. Uh, and it was basically a, a reader was asking to. Uh, help appreciate uh the the genre of kind of high fantasy um you know i know we've we've kind of downplayed D D in the past and uh the fact that there are are a lot of games like that um and i know for me i don't find a lot of interest in that uh and i was wondering uh how you guys uh perceive that if you felt the same way um i know seven c's Seven C, I would probably call it call low fantasy, but uh, there's some fantasy elements there. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think, that, Steve? Go ahead. Oh, me? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, okay. I <laughs> I'm actually a big fan of generic fantasy environments, like like the original D and D. Like I I hmm. there's just something really appealing to me about tossing together like a warrior, a priest, and a magic user in a dungeon and and you know, they're doing their thing. Um, at least I'm, I'm a lot more comfortable with that sort of as a premise game. And maybe that's because of all of the video game hours I've spent on these sort of things. But it's mm-hmm. like, you know, like I, I'm the, the handy thing about that sort of setting is even if you like, like I think the, the article specifically mentioned forgotten realms, which I've actually read a lot of forgotten realms novels, but, and, and they do have a lot of backstory there. Even if you don't have that kind of backstory, if you're sitting down at a table and you're and like everyone else has been playing forgotten realms for four years, you're going to have a pretty idea, a pretty good idea, pretty quick of, of like, basically it hits all the tropes. Okay. Like you hit a lot of these fantasy stereotypes and people are familiar with the fantasy stereotypes through the Lord of the Rings or just general mm-hmm. knowledge of like, okay, well we've got a cult that's trying to bring, you know, resurrect some lost God and take over the world, you know, check. Um, I'm, I'm on board. I know I can understand that very quickly. Um, you know, this city, it's all full of thieves. Okay, great. I'm, I'm with it. You know, this city, it's got like, you know, these, eight guys in charge and they're fighting for control, but you know, each one is either good or bad and has their own agenda. Okay. It, you can, you can summarize all of it like really quickly, kind of in a nutshell. Um, and, and that, I think that ease of use or that, that ease of, uh, entry, the low barrier of entry is really appealing to a lot of players. You know, it's like it, dungeon crawl, you say dungeon crawl and players all know what they're going to be doing that evening. So, you know, I, it's I, I I don't have a problem with it per se. It's definitely not narrative driven per se. Like, there's not nearly as much of the emphasis on story as there is in Seven C. And generally, of the games I played, it doesn't end up being shared collaboration or collaborative narration. Um, but but yeah, I, I I just I like a good fantasy game. I'm cool with that. But but there's no reason it couldn't be right. And, and I think that's part of my problem. Exactly. I've just okay. never experienced a, a high fantasy with a really good game master i think that's really the bottom mm-hmm. line um, okay you know i think it you know I, i'm a huge lord of the rings fan i you know one of my it's my, one of my favorites mm-hmm. so you know i i don't know why i would uh, dispel the the genre in general as a role-playing experience but uh i think uh you know i, th- I think you you got some good points and i think uh it could be how, how about zach what, what did you how do you feel um, yeah, I, I pretty much agree. You know, it, it really takes the right kind of story to, to really get you into it. Um, I mean, whether that be heavy narration, whether that be light narration or heavy dungeon crawl, um, you know, it just takes the right kind of story. Mm-hmm. 
um, something and, and, and the right system, you know, something like Forgotten Realms or something like Lamentations of the Flame Princess, which is uh, very OSR uh, or, or something like Torchbearer, where it's um, more medieval fantasy, mm-hmm. you know, something something like that. Uh, just, just to kind of get you in the right headspace, uh, because if if you're trying to compare, you know, something like like that, all those OSRs to, I don't know, D and D fifth edition, which is heavier fantasy, I would say. Hmm. Um, it's just a different flavor. Yeah, and it takes it takes the right kind of writer and the right kind of storyteller to do that. Uh. And and to get get people into that that right headspace, um, because I think a lot of people like this person on Reddit. I, I think they um, they don't know how to experience it, so they can't appreciate it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, just like if we're going into you know a, a high sci fi game, and they they're expecting a low sci fi game. You know, you're expecting something different than it actually is, so you can't appreciate it for what it is. Absolutely. Um, like, like with music, you know, hmm. metal is a genre, but there are a lot of different nuances in metal that like somebody that enjoys one type of metal can't appreciate because it's not the type of metal they're used to, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. That's a good point. But yeah. The, the OSR games are real great for, for that high fantasy style. Mm-hmm. Um, I've really wanted to play a Lamentations of the Flame Princess game <laughs> for a while, <laughs> just because you know Brendan talks about it all the time. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and um, and yeah, I I have the PDF. I do. I just need to read through it. We could do a one-off on it sometime. Yeah, cool. absolutely. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, you know, maybe this this topic would would fall in well with the uh, the video that I I posted mm, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. And uh, I, I assume the, the link will be in the show notes, but uh, basically the premise of the video was um, how my uh, how my players ruined or derailed my entire campaign. Um, and it's uh, it's from Puffin Studios. People are familiar with that. They have a whole line of stuff out. But uh, we were uh, we were looking at it and talking about it a little before the show. And mm-hmm. um, it, it's a case where the game master was trying to create this open world and I don't think he, we talked, we talked about the, on our last show about, uh, um, railroading, uh, <laughs> as, as a good thing. And I think that this is a case of somebody who, who was, uh, trying desperately to avoid railroading and it ended up falling apart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Backfired. Yeah. yeah. But I think I think this you know this article about uh, loving generic role play or uh, high fantasy kind of uh, has some of the same same elements here. This, we're talking about a game master that's trying to create these high anime, high fantasy, fantastical elements, but not giving them the good uh, narrative grounding in uh, in the world that's that's necessary to to keep uh, to keep a tight narrative. Well, especially with a sandbox style game. Yeah. To, because yeah. in a, in a, in a open world game, you have to have that very specific narration. Um, see, but the thing is, it was th- this, this campaign, this story was open world was sandbox, but it was very specific. Mm-hmm. Which is very contradictory and confused me a hell of a lot more than it should have. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because in the story he yeah. he had them or he rolled a random a random encounter generator, mm-hmm. and whatever they had ended up rolling was something that was re- that's that's referenced way later in the story, but it's a very specific thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I don't I don't understand how you can have a, a very open sandbox game with very specific details. Well, it, it's fine that it has specific details. I think the problem was he shouldn't have had the players encounter it that early. If you wanted to foreshadow the whole thing, rather than have them getting up in it and stomping around, he could have, you know, had people in a bar telling them about, oh, hey, there's this crazy 
you know, tower that we ran into. And one night we saw light coming out of it and that was it. Like that, that could have been the foreshadowing that he was trying to do without letting them get in there and get all up in it. The other thing yeah. is, I think relying a little bit too much on the dice for that. He had a crazy lucky roll that let them find this tower in the first place, um, which, you know, he it clearly hadn't kind of really prepared the campaign for. He wanted them to like kind of get there and leave and he didn't then motivate them to leave once they got there. So they just ended up spending a whole lot of time and basically kind of breaking a story by, by jumping way too far too fast. Um, so, I mean, the ways he could have fixed this were a, give them some sort of impetus. Like, you know, if, if they were just like, Hey, well, let's just hang out here for a couple of days. Well, you can't, there's no food and there's no food. Like you don't have enough food in your ship. You go back for supplies. Mm -hmm. Once they get back yeah. to town, something else pressing happens. Suddenly there's an army attacking, you know, give them something like if you don't want them wandering off the tracks, like give them something to keep on track. Um, yeah. Two, allowing too much stuff to sort of to random chance. Like, oh, you happen to roll a 20. So you turned on the crazy teleporter. Mm -hmm. No, like don't give them that kind of role or don't give them that kind of outcome. Like, you know, just don't leave it to random chance. Like if you want to cut out the one positive and just leave like, you know, varying degrees of negative, that might help dissuade them. Uh, or do a bait and switch, give them a little bit of a red herring where, okay, you find a magic treasure there. So in the player's minds, they've beaten this tower and they can move on. That would be fine. Mm -hmm. You know, something to kind of get them out the door. If you don't want them staying here and, and, and doing you know, progressing more than they should get them, you know, keep it moving, like give them some sort of uh, a progression. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think just as much as this is a GM problem, I think this is equally as much of a very, very stubborn player problem as well. Well, you, you're the players are going with the, the sole motivation of grabbing loot, mm -hmm. which, uh, seems to be a tendency of the high fantasy. And I think if players had a more character-driven motivation, that mm -hmm. uh, that would help that a lot. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. If their characters were uh, were specifically tied to the story or the land or et cetera, et cetera, you know, that would, that would help them progress through a story more naturally than just, hey, let's go and kill monsters and get money and magical items mm -hmm. exactly and mm -hmm. even if they don't have personal motivations even if these are template characters that are dropped into a loot-based story to get loot dangle loot elsewhere <laughs> if you don't want them mm -hmm. like you know mm -hmm. it's not hard he said there was no loot in the tower now all you have to do is is either a give them some loot so that they think they've finished the tower or b dangle loot elsewhere you know like hey now that you're up in the tower you see off on the horizon there's a pirate ship that's like you know riding low with stolen gold like go fetch mm -hmm. you know Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. We, we, we could probably talk for, for days about this. Yeah. But, <laughs> but make sure you watch the video before listening to us. Cause you know, otherwise, you know, you want to know what we're talking about. That would probably help. Yeah. It's rather, interesting. it's, it's yeah. like a six and a half minute video. So it's not, yeah. it's not terrible. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, next thing, uh, Mark, did you, you had, you had one other thing? I, I believe? did. Yes. And, and hopefully, uh, this could uh, generate some talk, uh, talking points. Uh, where, here we go. Um, it was, uh, the basic premise is this is another, um, Reddit, uh, discussion and the basic surprise, surprise. Yeah. <laughs> the basic pre premise is, um, role-playing games by their nature are very social. Um, so why does it have a reputation for being, for, for attracting awkward antisocial people? I think I have a simple solution for this. Yeah. Play, keep, the, players, players keep pl putting uh, charisma as their dump stat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Steve does. Heck yeah. Um, so I think the anti-social aspect of most of us, I'm going to say us because we're part of these people. Sure. Is we're, we're anti-social about most things that aren't nerdy yeah. <laughs> and th th that's why they have conventions like conventions are places nerds can go to be social because because they're passionate about this thing or 
their table toppers so they can go and play tabletop or mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So I think once those people are isolated outside of the general public where, where it's, you know, you're a nerd, you're, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. When you're with these fellow nerds, you connect and, and you, you have that shared interest in this, let's say specific thing, let's say seventh C because we have to talk about seventh C. Of um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's like, it's like a, a community to where you're somewhat blocked off from the outside world. So when you're with these people and you're, when you're with this community, you feel at home, you feel in place because these other people are as passionate about this as you are. Yeah, I, I agree a hundred percent here with, with Zach on this one. It's all about like kind of geek culture or nerd culture. Like, you know, nerds are only antisocial around non-nerds. Like, uh, like if you're if you're at a gaming store and you and some total stranger are looking at the same shelf, you're probably going to have something to talk about. In fact, like it's it's super not unusual for me to hear like you know like oh hey is this good? Have you played this? Oh, I don't know anything about that. Or or if you're looking at something and they have played it, they're they're actually really likely to chip in and volunteer and say you know hey like you know, that's a decent game. You should totally check it out. And, and I can, you can tell that like, well, me included are people. We don't normally put ourselves out there. So like, you know, geeks love geeks. And I uh, like all, I think, I, I think getting an excuse to bring geeks together to tell cool stories is kind of what tabletop RPGs are all about. Okay. And this is why we talk to ourselves. Hopefully why somebody's out there listening to us. Yes. Listening. Exactly. But let me, let me throw another layer on this. Okay. Um, okay. I think we've all heard the stories of, uh, for example, female players who have come in and been treated poorly, uh, during games. Um, you know, the, and that is a case of, you know, we have such a reputation of, of, being bad with women why would we perpetuate that you know when somebody does want to come into our our hobby um i i have a perfect solution for that as well okay uh, girls have cooties that's, that's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> well there you oh, have no, it problem no, solved no, on, on the, yeah, um, yeah. One of the next, but no, uh but continue. yeah there's you know the, i think that's you know, where a lot of this comes from too, is, you know, the, that not knowing, you know, that, that social awkwardness, uh, coming into it too. Um, you know, why, why would we, uh, shut off that segment of people who are interested in in our, uh, hobby then? Well, I, I think it's sort of that's a, uh, that's a great question. It, it, it really is. Yeah. Well, it, it's kind of a self-perpetuating kind of feedback loop, like a negative one that mm. really needs to be stopped. <laughs> and Absolutely. I think we're seeing it kind of change over time. But like, you know, uh, like, you know, when when uh, the Dark Ages, whatever, I don't know what we're talking about <laughs> 20 years ago, it was always like, you know, girls don't play D&D. And yeah. you say that enough times and people start to believe it and kind of the, the behavioral reaction to that statement. If you really do believe that girls do not play D and D that if a girl is playing D and D, then she's clearly not authentic. She's faking or something. She's got some other motive. That's not yeah. the same motive as all the other geeks at the table, which is to have fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think that's the, it might be kind of the root of this, this bad backlash, this bad behavior, um, which is, definitely happening and definitely needs to stop. Like, you know, we're at a point now, Mm -hmm. people where, you know, like if you don't want to see these, these horrible things perpetuated, if you want to see more girls playing games, then just treat them like geeks, treat them like gamers. Don't, don't say, you know, Hey, like, what's your, what's your motivation here? Like, you know, are you making a podcast on this? Are you trying to get like YouTube hits? No, don't be a (laughs) jerk for God's sakes. Just roll some dice and play a game. Well, I, I think a lot of, a lot of it, this it, it's it hasn't ever been in my opinion that that's the case ever you know like my home group here it's i have three women mm-hmm. three men players that's right. you know it's like uh you know it's it's even across the board mm-hmm. but um i think in where this is most popular or where where this belief is most popular is in video game culture where you see 
all these people on Twitch, all these mm. gamer girls, quote unquote, that are obviously fake, don't <laughs> know what they're talking about, all that stuff. And I think that transitions into tabletop just because of that reputation. Uh, you know, because it's it's possible with video games. Why can't it be possible with tabletop games? You know, people people might think that. I'm not sure. There's no facts are are behind this whatsoever. But. <laughs> well, well, you might be right or might be onto something. I would like to distance myself with the statement for about Twitch girls being obviously fake. I think there's a lot of girl, you know, female gamers, and many of them have Twitch channels, and they're just as much gamers as guys. I, I suppose there's there there is probably kind of an overrepresented minority that may be just in it for the clicks. But honestly, like I'm I'm personally I'd really like to give girls the shadow like the the benefit of the doubt. Um if they're if they're playing games and if they're doing nerd stuff, then you know, they're nerds. They're my people. And <laughs> and might no, I point out absolutely, probably absolutely I agree, I agree with that. Mm-hmm. Probably the most popular uh representative of putting uh RPGs and gaming on the internet is Felicia Day. Yep. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean the the idea that uh, a woman can't is is insane. It is impossible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I think, you know, things like uh, you know, tabletop from Will Wheaton mm. and uh, you know, critical role and stuff like that that are, you know, getting these, you know, hence they're they're actors and, and popular figures, but still they're females, mm-hmm. you know, into the into the scene helps that. You know, it helps. Oh, oh, they enjoy this. They're really getting into this. Like, yeah. if you if you watch Critical Role and you see Laura Bailey, she is the biggest nerd on mm. Critical Role. Yeah. It is ridiculous. <laughs> like, <laughs> she blows my passion out of the water. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's you know it's it's absolutely possible that that females can can be and are interested in this. Uh, this lifestyle. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, it's, it's strange that, that people have those feelings about, you know, females and, you know, and, and tabletop games. True. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I don't know how much that, uh, you know, that kind of translates into other minorities. Um, you know, if that's, you know, if there's any actual social awkwardness or if it's just a matter of, uh, like groups having having similar tastes but uh mm-hmm. yeah I, I think you know this is a, this is a sub this is a, a hobby that should be extremely inclusive yes so uh oh, uh, 100% yeah so go with it yeah yeah embrace that and if you see that not being kind of if you if you see bad behavior or if you see like somebody out there that's like you know embracing old stereotypes or or or, or you know not being inclusive of of, of a group where that women or, or other kind of uh, racial groups, you really need to speak out about it. I mean, I think you need mm-hmm. to like, yes. you know, just like kind of turning the other cheek and like trying to not make waves is probably not the best idea in this particular instance. Like it's, yeah. it's our responsibility oh. to make our, our hobby, our culture <laughs> more inclusive to everybody. And, and you I know, know we, I know we don't have social skills, but step up. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. Right. You got it. Well, yeah. You know, and, and it's funny, you know, uh, yeah, you might, you know, if you do have that that awkward feeling of, oh, we, we can't have somebody who's not like us in there playing at the game, and then they'll sit down and say, wait a minute, we need a wizard. We can't go out <laughs> a party without a fully diverse <laughs> yeah. group. <laughs> you know? We're completely hosed if we don't have, like, class diversity. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, true. Exactly. Oh, man. Well, gentlemen, I think that wraps up this episode. Sounds good. It's a, it's a nice ending point here, I believe. So. Good. But yeah, thank you, gentlemen, for joining me today. Anytime. And, uh, and like always, it's been a pleasure. And that's it for this episode of Tabletop Radio Hour. Like always, you can find this episode on SoundCloud.com slash Tabletop Radio Hour and on iTunes. You can find us on Twitter at TabletopCast if you have any questions or comments. You can join us over on Facebook.com slash Tabletop Radio Hour for regular updates. We also have an email address that is TabletopRadioHour at gmail.com. Our website, TabletopRadioHour.wordpress.com. You can find information about our Patreon page on our website. 
I want to thank you all for listening and keep rolling 20s. Thank you.